0: that's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by at and Business. Hi, everybody. You know, we've grown accustomed to a world where everyone analyzes things as it pertains to business. Well, you're about to have a great treat. You want to listen in to two of the most creative entrepreneurs I've ever met. They rely on the creativity 100% to make money. Figure that out. Well, they have figured it out, so tune in. Now joining me is Sarah and Erin Foster. You're going to learn a heck of a lot. I would have liked to see you in person, but I'm so happy to have you on the screen, okay? So let me start with your Forbes article. I read it last night. Somehow I missed it. And when I read it, I thought, wow, what great publicity. It makes them heroes. Every single board in town is going to call these ladies up. But you know what I was impressed with? That photo I looked at that photo and I was green with envy and I said, I don't know what we talk about today, but I'm gonna ask them how to pose like that for a camera. How do you do that? Was that thoughtful? Did you give yeah. nine poses? Did they tell you what to do? You like you you had that line between great confidence and casualness. Like crossed, <laughs> a- drooped over.
1: There was a lot of uh, very good lighting, very forgiving lighting, and, um, and, and, you know, an airbrush made its way, I think, to that photo a couple
0: times, you know? An
1: airbrush just took a couple <laughs> lines away, some shine. Is it the photo of us in at the Fox office? Yeah.
0: It's that you're in separate chairs and I'm not even talking about airbrushing. That's the norm in the business. They're going to make you look good. Of course, I'm talking about uh, the way, Sarah, you were draped back and Aaron, you had your legs crossed and Mm -hmm. your boots kicked up. That kind of casualness. I thought that was the best business, most engaging business photo I had ever seen. And I'm thinking, why don't I do that? I'm always like putting my chest out looking official like a business lady. You you don't care about that at all?
2: It's funny that you say this because the truth is, and we didn't plan or orchestrate those positions, but you know, the truth is, is it really is indicative of our personalities because Erin really naturally is the laid back business partner. She goes to bed and wakes up going, it's gonna be okay. I know it's gonna work out. Let's just say yes, because it's gonna work out. And I am the person that feels that I sort of need to overcompensate looking like, you know, I have it all figured out, which I have nothing figured out.
1: And it, wouldn't you say that it it actually really is a good, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think for me, the way that I look at this, all of our business ventures is that Sarah and I didn't go to business school and have our whole lives riding on this part of our lives. Yes. This lane of our career is an added bonus. So for me, If there's failures that's okay like we didn't put every ounce of pressure and every bit of our childhood with parents that wanted us to be a certain thing and like there's not that much riding on this other than we care about it we Mm -hmm. like it and we would love for it to work but when things fall back or don't move forward the way that you want them to or a setback happens which is always inevitable I look at it as a learning experience and I think Sarah puts too much pressure on herself and she needs everything to work because she feels like she's got to prove something to somebody or to herself. And I just think it's, this is a bonus for us. Well, I obsess on multiple streams of income. I obsess on it because
2: I always just in the back of my mind go, nothing is going to work. So I have to have plan A, B, C, and D. And I I'm obsessive about it, and so
1: She's we should. Very obsessive. It's exhausting to be business partners with someone. Who's
0: <laughs> you know what I think? I think both ends are needed for a good business. I think you need to have the chill factor, the creative, the easygoing, the freedom to feel like you're not constrained, and I think you need to also a son of a bitch who's wired up and worried about the details. I really think it's both necessary. So I think you have a dream partnership. And I'm actually wondering if you, Sarah, with your childhood, you were a little bit older, coming through the ranks, okay? You had a very topsy-turvy situation there with your parents, with multiple marriages, multiple stepchildren. I picture it as total chaos, but you didn't have the security from what I read about you that you were solid on your feet financially and nothing to worry about. And that might be why you're wired the way you are. I think it's great.
2: I mean, Barbara, are you in you're wow. You just really, did I say that anywhere? Because it's it's true. And we talk about it all the time. I think we can trace back the way we operate in our relationships in business, always back to our childhood and the things Uh that we were missing and the things we overcompensated for. And I think I do, I have, I talk about money all the time because I have a really unhealthy relationship with money. I mean, up until seven years ago, I swear to God, I, I didn't even want to know anything about it. I didn't want to take <laughs> meetings with my accountant. I didn't want to know my tax bill. For all I knew, I had five thousand dollars in the bank, or I had five hundred thousand dollars. Like I didn't, I just didn't want to know because I have so much fear. Mm. around my financial health. And I think that it's such an important conversation on our our podcast, which we would love to have you on. The financial health, especially for women, is a conversation that we need to have more because a lot of my girlfriends are in the same boat Mm -hmm. as I am. I'm not talking about stay at home moms. I'm talking about like women who have careers have an unhealthy relationship with money, at least in my friend group. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I know probably more people myself have been wildly successful in business as females, as men who are almost reckless about money. I know you go to Harvard and you learn, you have to have the business plan. You have to have everything accountable. uh, And it's kind of like an analytical business. But I think if you have other strengths in business, like really smart about people, how to use them, how to get the best out of them, great marketing brains, which you both have, I don't necessarily think you have to know crap about money believe it or not i think you can also operate like push everything forward as much as i can and do everything i can in my wheelhouse of where i'm good and let's hope the money works out i know i operated that way my whole life i never knew what i had coming never knew what i was going out but i was so strong at marketing and generating business i was good at making money and then the rest didn't didn't bother me i think it was all gonna work out But do you think that's reckless? Because I don't know if you should work on being different than you are. I think it's working. You stick your blindfold on your head and say, it's working. Let's just fly with it. And Erin, you're going to like chill out and not worry about anything. And Sarah's going to be stressed and bitching at her husband and her kids all the time.
1: (laughs) That like, I always come from a place of feeling like, Um, it's not, I'm not even a glass half full person, but I do come from a place of feeling like we'll always have money, we'll always have options, we'll always have some stream of revenue and it'll always be enough. Like I don't aspire to have a private plane. That's not like what I think about at night. So if something doesn't happen, it's like I have all the things that I need and I have all the things I want. So I don't really find a reason to panic Yes. And I I believe that that can create abundance because you feel abundance. I feel abundance that like when my girlfriend sends me an invitation to her baby shower, I go buy her a gift without thinking about it. Whereas ten years ago, I would stress going to a baby shower, thinking like, oh shit, like I don't really want to spend a hundred dollars on anything, so I don't really have any money right now. But I don't want to be rude. Like the the absence of such small things like that for me are really powerful and give you this like abundance feeling. Yes. And I just always right. try those to those are from the that things place. that make you feel. Feel
2: successful being able
1: to buy a baby shower gift and show up feeling proud of your gift uh-huh. as a, hey, yeah and like going to dinner with friends and like saying like no I got this one you don't have to like Venmo me half of the money like not splitting every check seven ways just the stuff where you go I can survive very comfortably in my life and and that's enough and I think like coming from a really chaotic childhood made Sarah maybe more like anxious and stressed about money and it made me just crave peace of mind I just want to feel happy and I want peace I don't want chaos I don't want anxiety and stress and fighting and tension and like blaming I just want peace Mm. and you know as you know more than anyone when you start a business when you make an investment like things go wrong they just do like nothing happens perfectly Sarah and I started a I don't want to jump ahead, but we started a business together uh, a few months ago. And it's, you know, there's things that go wrong every day and, and you can't fall apart every time that happens and think like, fuck, we're failures.
0: Yeah. yeah well, you had a, in your new business, you had a strong concept, a great name. I mean, how could it go wrong? Really? You know, Erin, you're wired. It sounds to me very much like me. And Sarah, you're wired exactly like my older sister. We had 10 kids and my oldest sister is constantly stressed about money from the day she was born but she saw the worst of it in our family i was a little bit behind her and things are starting to work out a little bit better so we came out with two different philosophies about money but i don't think you're going to change sarah i don't think you're going to change aaron
2: but you know what i wonder i mean there's so many things i want to say about what we just talked about but i also wonder aaron has aaron has a, a real gift aaron is like a brilliant writer no well, thank you, you no know, i've had to get more no, but truly, like I've had to get more creative with with um, with my gifts. You know, I've had to I've had to sort of come at it from a different angle and 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 get more creative. But Aaron, it has an embedded talent. Not that you haven't worked at it, but like you were, I'm sure born. With it. <laughs> Apparently, I, I was just born with it. I didn't do shit to get. No, it. but I just wonder if when you have such a a gift like that if there's a sense of calm because you sort of know you can always fall back on that maybe you know I don't I I don't know
0: yeah I think that's part of it but mostly it's what you grow up with I think and it's very hard to rewire yourself I do think Barbara
1: I know that I'm not supposed to be interviewing you but I'm really fascinated by this 10 kids thing can you explain can you like give me some kind (laughs) kind of of more context on this and I also want to ask with that question do you feel like because I'm assuming you're close with some or
0: all of your siblings today. A lot to choose from. It's easy to grab somebody and be close. Yeah,
1: it's good. It's like when you have less, you have less options. Um, but it feels like, you know, when Sarah and I talk about our childhood, we had two different childhoods and we argue, I don't know if you have this with your older sister you're talking about, we argue about what our mom was like and how stressful a certain thing was. And, and I was convinced that Sarah was just a pathological liar, which still might be true. <laughs> but I, but then I also had to accept that we had really, we had different experiences in the same home. You know, she experienced things really differently than I did.
0: Well, I'll give you a great example that happened. I have a sister's reunion with my five sisters every year. On our last sister's reunion, we had way too much wine to drink, which was normal. We're all sitting around and someone raises when we used to go on a one week vacation. We were the only kids in our whole town who went on a vacation because it was a dirt poor town. And we were dirt poor but my mother thought it was important we go on a vacation to see something else. So we always went to the same old place, not a good place, a friend's house jammed into her basically trailer, but it was different. Now to get to the trailer, my father used to take us out in the night at 3 a.m. because it was a seven-hour car ride. He used to carry each of us in our pajamas and bundles to the station wagon and put us down like logs. We started talking about this. I said to my sisters, For me, that moment every year was like magic. The middle of the night, we got cuddled, we're in the car, we feel the bumps, we're going on vacation. And my sister, who was a year younger than me, said, I was terrified every year. He grabbed me out of my bed. I'm like, what? And each of us cited our experience of that simple thing and nothing was similar. So yes, kids look at things differently. It has nothing to do with being siblings. But you, if I could turn it back, had all those... Uh, half siblings, step siblings, all running around. I mean, it would be so interesting for you to see their perspective on your extended family one day at a giant reunion. You'd probably kill each other actually. maybe it's we're,
1: we're always trying to avoid all those people. We're not trying to like bring them back <laughs> together. You <laughs> to, know your mean?
2: Point, to your point, like, you know, we were always fighting for our place, you yeah. know, we we're always fighting for our place. And I, and I find that in my life and I'm like, why am I competitive? Why does it bother me when I feel like someone's stolen my idea or why, you know, why? And, and these things don't trigger Aaron. But for me, I'm, it's like, it really is an issue. And, and I, I, I only started therapy like in the last couple months, which is- like, Oh yeah, Needed
0: it years ago, my God. Oh,
2: I needed it forever, but I only just decided at, you know, 97 years old to start di- <laughs> diving into my issues. <laughs> And it's all, it's all, it's all traced back, right? It's all, it's all traced back to our childhood.
0: Yeah, very much so. So how do you go from the sibling rivalry that you both have spoken about so often uh, with Erin trying to measure up to Sarah, uh, you know, that whole, that whole striving, how do you leave that behind and become great equal business partners? What shifted? Was there a day you said, Hey guys, let's get over this. Or was it just gradually got used to each other and, and earned each other's respect?
2: They're going to have a long answer of that. So I'm going to let you take it. But I just want to say say to all the people listening, maybe that are younger and have a certain sibling dynamic as children, it all shifts. The dynamic shifts. Mm -hmm. I was like the cool, everything was easy for me. Like all the things, Aaron was a little bit more awkward, less social. And it very quickly shifted in our early twenties where I was like, I need a job. You (laughs) need to help me. You know, like, the dy- so when you're young and you think my older sister, my younger sister, they have
1: it all. The dynamic most certainly uh-huh. always shifts as adults. Well, it can shift, I but think I think it- that you have to, you have to also make it shift. You know, I think the like the universal work with you, but you have to have a big part in that. And so for my whole life, it was like, you know, Sarah was straight A's, easy with friends, like independent, like had, you know, very strong willed, you know, not insecure with boys. Like everything was just like, like good at every sport, top, of her, top of her class. Lights. She just, yeah. Like I, I've said this before, she got green lights everywhere she went and everywhere I went, I got red lights. Yeah. You're not good at soccer. You failed this class. You are awkward. You blush every time you get embarrassed. Like just anything that would make you sort of socially awkward. It was always like Sarah would like breeze through a door and then that door would like slam in my face, you know, <laughs> or I'd walk into a wall next door. And it, you know, I think everybody has this type of experience where they begin to define themselves in a really specific way. Mm-hmm. And it's usually where they what their place is in their, in their family and how their family defines them. And it's really scary to break out of that role because the people closest to you are going to be like, You don't do that you don't wake up early you sleep in or you don't go do that thing you do this and so i started to break away to get out from under that when i was a teenager i went to boarding school in switzerland truly just to get away from my family and not in like i hate them more like who am i when i'm not in this thick dynamic that tells me who i am because i don't really like who i am and i don't like who. i I don't believe that my gosh (laughs) i you know, like it's complicated being 15 and and in the family circumstances that we had and being awkward. And I just wanted to like figure out who I was outside of that. So the, the question about the shift, I think Sarah never needed anything from me and I always wanted her validation. And then when I was in my twenties, my mid twenties, I kind of just made, I did make a decision where I was like, I'm not going to define myself by waiting for Sarah to be friends with me or waiting for Sarah to like accept me or
0: think I'm cool. I'm going to go
1: do my own thing.
0: You no, know, you took your power back. My gosh. Yeah, she look- never even asked for it in the first place. It's not her fault. Oh, it's true. Yeah. He didn't even want that power
1: over me, but, but I, I well, did When I found out later in life, how I made you feel, it was
2: like, oh my God. Yeah. like It was, I was just trying to survive on my own. I was dealing with my own shit. You know, I was dealing with my parents' divorce and feeling all the things I was feeling. I was more focused on myself, let alone taking care of her emotional needs. So
1: we just, we we switched roles at some point. I think that like Sarah's sort of luck, I wouldn't say that her luck started to run out, but I would say that she was kind of skating by on being lucky and then life got real for her where she actually had to like reevaluate what she would output to get these things in return because she wasn't outputting very much. Everything was just sort of like sitting there waiting for her. And then life got real. And that was kind of the time where I had found my own thing. Like I want to be a writer. And I was doing like stand-up comedy. I was making friends with people who were being creative and making things and building things, not girls that were just like, you know, spending their parents' money. Like it was a different crop of people that were like stimulating me. And I found my own voice. And so when I found my own voice, Sarah had sort of lost hers and um, and needed yeah. to like link up with, with me. So find it again, yeah,
0: yeah. Great story. Sarah, how about you as a mom of two children, two daughters specifically, what are you doing with them to anticipate keeping them close, making them close, or do you just say, hey, they've got to do what they've got to do?
2: You know, it's so interesting. It's like, it kills me when they fight. I mean, it does something to my insides that I that I just never could have imagined it would do. When we grew up, our parents would say to us, you know, when you fight, I want you to remember that when it's all said and done, you only have each other. Mm-hmm. You only have each other. The relationship of sisterhood, of siblings, is a relationship never to take for
1: granted. And we'd be like, oh, you know, I yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't
0: believe her, I'm sure, right? When she said that when you were young.
1: Our dad used to always say that to us. He always Our said dad. the only person you have in the, in, in the end are your siblings because your parents are going to be gone at some point. And the only person who knows what it's like to grow up in your house with your two parents are mm-hmm. your siblings. And that connection is, you can't find that with anyone else. No, but it's, I, I, I'm hyper aware of it because
2: of the relationship I have with my siblings. You know, I'm hyper aware of it and I try to instill in them Uh, You know, all the things my parents tried to instill in me that I didn't listen to. I mean, their relationship is the most important relationship. And it's tough. They're five years apart. And my older daughter is just, I mean, they are so different. My five-year-old thinks she is a unicorn. Like actually she was an animal in her previous life. She just recently stopped walking on all fours like a dog. Yeah, she's, uh, she's an animal in
1: this life too, I think. She might be an animal in this life too.
2: And my older daughter is, listen, all the things that like, you know, frustrate me about my older daughter are the attributes that I had growing up. She is me. She is like holding, I will find myself saying, Valentina, when you talk like that, and I have flashbacks of my mother having the same impact. I mean, she was sent to me as validation for my mother, <laughs> truly.
0: Wait, wait till you turn 60 and you'll realize you're your grandmother. That's even worse. <laughs> oh my God. But what do you do as business partners when you uh, disagree on something vehemently? Do you fight it out? Does somebody roll over? How do you handle conflict when you're business partners, which is a little bit different than? just as siblings.
2: Erin and I say all the time, you know, we should be in, we should be in, we should be working with a life coach. We should be working with a mediator. We really do. A
1: therapist. We need a couples
2: therapist. Right. We, we actually just need to be in couples. I mean, you know, in most business relationships, I would think there are boundaries, right? There are certain just boundaries that you cannot cross because it is inappropriate. It is, it is um, detrimental to the business. But with siblings, there are no boundaries. There just aren't. We will be in a business meeting and Aaron will say something to me that is so, and vice versa, that is so inappropriate, but it's not because we're sisters. Mm. But it'll take us into a, a spiral that- There's
1: something to be said for being in business partners with a stranger so that you are passive aggressive. There's something to be said for being <laughs> passive aggressive instead of directly aggressive. Because at least if somebody goes, oh, I didn't realize that you were, um, that you turned that in last night and didn't CC me on the email. Fine. Be passive aggressive. Maybe it's annoying, but it's a lot better than like us basically ripping each other's hair out. We, we fight a lot. We try to, we have a couple different people in our lives that try to help us mediate. My husband is one of them. So he'll call me and then he'll get my side of the story. Then he'll call Sarah and get her side of the story and kind of make us both feel heard. And then he'll kind of help us come together. And we've done some mediating sessions and we're, we're always working on it, but like to be very transparent, we have not mastered that. Like that is a big,
0: problem for us but what if you're working with your partners and you're in a business situation do you come across as a united front the two of you equal one in voice, or do you fight in front of each other I would think that would not go over well
2: well it's different you know it's interesting because we are in so many different ventures together right we have our television deal so we're in an overall deal at Disney where we write produce and develop shows for ourselves for other people And in that world
0: alone, by the way, sounds like a huge business. I couldn't even imagine you accomplishing that without a lot of help. Just that one business alone, which I want to get back to later. It seems mind boggling to me that your hands are in so many places. I frankly don't know how you do. And I'd like to know. Go ahead.
1: Well, yeah. So in we fight the the least in this area. Right. we We fight the least in this
2: area, probably because there's just sort of this embedded thing where Aaron is just better at it. And deep down, I know that we wouldn't really be in the position we're in at Disney if it wasn't for her. So, sub- so subconsciously, I sort of go like, I know my value there. I can produce the hell out of a show. I'm funny. I'm, I, you know, all the things. But I, by deep down, know that Aaron got us there, you know? Right. I probably step back a little bit in that area. Or defer to me a little bit. I defer to you probably a little bit more. So that's, that's the one venture where there's that. And then, you know, and all the investment stuff and, um, the advisory roles we've taken on with these different companies, like it's a pretty level, it's a level playing field there, right? Like we're, we're, we're like this, which then we argue a little bit more. And then in, um, the favorite daughter, the, the brand that we started, the clothing business we've started, same thing, right? It's a, So I think that's probably, probably why there's less chaos with all the television stuff.
1: Yeah, because I think like with any partnership, if you know what each other's um, like talents or weak areas are, then you can fill them in for each other. But when, and we know those when it comes to TV, because I had an established role in that area. I'm and not then, a writer. And then Sarah had her established role. So we can kind of, like let each other you know, handle uh, things without each, without us being together all the time. But when it comes to like a clothing line or investments, those are really just our own like tastes or our own instincts. And mm-hmm. it's harder because we kind of don't have that same push pull. Like we both kind of want the same level of power in every situation and that makes it tough. And we are
2: getting better at delegating. We are getting better at going, look, you take this because we're obviously stronger when we delegate, right? Because mm-hmm. to your point- our hands are in so many things. And if I'm going to be really honest with you, Barbara, and I, I, this is the thing that wakes me up at three in the morning. We have so many unbelievable opportunities. We've positioned ourselves in a way that I could have never fathomed being in. Are we doing everything 50%, 60%? Like, are we doing one thing, hundred percent? The reality is no, we are not. Mm-hmm. And that keeps me up. And I'd love
0: to know what your advice. What is, what are you doing with each of these, with your hands in so many places? Do you feel like you're operating at 50% in all of them? Or do you have your own favorite daughters there?
1: I mean, I think that we we have a a really great team of people around us that really try to help us. And um, we have a lovely woman named Montana who's sitting very close to us who is constantly saying, hey guys, you, you really need to respond to the investment thing, or you really need to wire that money, or you really need to finish, you know, sign that contract. And like these people have been waiting five days and she's, she, we're very bad at um, time management, which I, I would imagine you would have advice on that because it's such an important skill set. And so we're really bad at it. So you all have like seven different emails open or I'm halfway through one thing and then you get another phone call and you divert your attention to something else. And that's something that like, we haven't figured out. And so we have to rely on smart people around us to slow us down. And sometimes like my husband will do that for us. Like you guys, I need you to give me one hour of your time. Cause he helps us with a lot of our investments. I need you to give me one hour of your time. I need you to not be on your phones. I need you to like block it out and like sit there and I need you to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we have to be kind of like, you know, handled that way because it's very distracting to constantly have your mind in, in 10 places.
0: Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show.
2: If we came and pitched favorite daughter, Shark Tank, let me tell you, we'd get a, we get a bunch of I'm outs because you would all say, how much time are you focusing on this venture? You know, Aaron and I have found this sweet spot in helping other people scale their business, right? Their businesses. Like that's a skill set that we have. We can look,
1: mm-hmm. it's a different thing. But, but here's it's the a different, different thing. thing. This is also something that is probably different than you, what you're used to in your business world is that Sarah and I are... Two different things at the same time. We are talent, mm-hmm. and we are the back end. Yes. So what happens a lot is sometimes we're treated like talent, and and when you're talent, you are used to. And this, by the way, for someone listening, I'm not saying we're talented. I'm talented. Yeah. <laughs> talented, talent is a word for the person that is being managed by everyone. And the person, the person, the person that's front facing, that's on camera, and 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 the are,
0: voice you look. That's what you pay for. Your talent.
1: Yes. And so we have people around us who manage us. Right. And that is not, it's not an assistant roles. It's that like, for instance, my husband who manages people like for a living, right. And he makes his own investments and he comes from a business background. He looks at us and goes, I see your value in these different areas. And I need you guys to step up in these areas. I need you to take this meeting with this person, or I need you to respond to this email. And it's not something that we can delegate to him because he's Trying to help lift us up to where he well, thinks we belong. Unless we, we give him ten percent, but he's trying to lift well, us up. You're in the needed in the introduction.
0: You're needed at that early stage. You're the talent. You're the product that they're looking at. That makes yeah, you good sense.
1: You can't delegate.
0: You that also, he, I'm going to tell you something. You can believe it or not, not delegate your presence there. But I, because it took me five or six years building my business, until I really learned how to delegate. And once I got good at it, I got so good at it. But what you could give to him is you decide which meetings I should be at, which ones I don't, and I don't have much time, pick two. And you just show up. Because I I think it's very, very hard when you have to review everything with the people assisting you and that keeps them as assistants. But it would be great if you could like almost take your time, uh, sit down for two days and put on index cards, each of your businesses and then decide what percentage of you in a pie chart almost, what slice of you is that business taking? What slice of you is this business taking, that business taking? I bet you wind up with about maybe two and a half pies for each of you versus one, which represents you each, you know? But I think, I think you can take each of those pies, really delegate them. You decide. Don't come to me with it, I trust you. You decide.
2: And How do you feel about, not to like segue, but how do you feel about this new crop as someone like yourself, who is, you know, legendary in business, you, you know, pounded the pavement without the access of all the things we all have access to now, right? Social media, pot, you know, it's, it's a lot easier today to be multi-hyphenate. You know, we found ourselves as creative directors of a $500 million company because of the the because of what we created on social, right?
0: Yes, of course, deserved.
2: Wouldn't have happened, happened ten years ago. Let's be honest; that wouldn't have happened. So we
0: have, who cares? It's happening now, and you grab that because of your talent. So thank God. Yeah. You know, we
2: did grab it, and and it's like we talk about this a lot because I sort of always operate from fear. I always operate out of fear. and like, I don't think we can do this. We're not qualified to do this. We shouldn't be doing this. And Aaron operates from like, we're doing this and we're going to figure can. it out.
0: Perfect. Perfect combination. Check and balance. Go ahead.
1: At the end of the day, we're not qualified to do anything. We don't, <laughs> call, we don't have college educations. I failed the 10th grade. Like, I shouldn't have any job. I literally should have a low wage, low minimum wage job. So anything that we're ever have an opportunity to have, I'm like, hey, this person is dumb enough to give us a job, say yes. Yeah. Let them pay us.
0: And then if they hate what we
1: do, then let them fire us. Yeah, but yeah. we
0: have. I actually have not fired. But Erin, you're not entirely being honest with yourself. It's not as though the real equity in you is your knowledge or experience. That's what you're saying. I'm not educated. Da, da, da. I don't know this stuff. Da, da. Uh, what you're really being paid for is something so pure and something that the smartest guy out of Harvard can't buy unless he looks deep and hard for it, which is pure creativity. Creativity today, more than it's ever been, is the greatest asset. And people can't uh, grow that within their own organizations. They try like crazy. We want to be a creative one. Innovators, it happens all the time. The biggest companies have the least of it. So they bring in somebody like the two of you, fresh blood, fresh ways of looking at things. You're worth a fortune. Uh, and thank God you didn't go to higher education. It would probably uh, teach you to think with your left brain all the time versus being a free spirit like the unicorn that uh, Sarah's daughter is. Like, just, I'm a unicorn. Okay. <laughs> you know, thank God that you have that creativity and that you've used it to, uh, to make a very good living for yourself. And thank God that Sarah is a checks and balances that worries about it because she's going to probably prevent... Uh, you know, a couple of walls, you could avoid hitting a couple of walls, you know. But all right, I just want to say that I think I think you guys ought to make a list of why you're so phenomenal. Uh, post it, frame it in something really expensive and stick it over your toilet bowl. So the place where you're mostly sitting, you see it all the time, you know, and just do really good. I mean, it's all working. Uh, but if, if you're feeling stressed out and that you're overwhelmed and when I, the more I read about you, the more I wasn't breathing. I'm like, I was holding my breath, worried about you. I'm like, whoa, and that, whoa, and what are they doing? Whoa, what are they doing? But you know what? You could do it all, and as often as you want, as much as you want, as long as you can nurture other talented people that you could hand it to, not assist you with it, but hand it to. That takes a lot of trust, and that also takes finding good talent. But you know what's great about a creative person? They attract creative people. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's like really left-brainy kind of uh, dollars and cents, deductive reasoning, for some reason, creative people never really want to work for them. I don't know why. Maybe they smell something bad. I'm not. Killin- I'm not going to get bored with this guy, you know. So, so you really be a good boss and like give people room
1: to feel confident to bring their ideas. And that's somewhere where like Montana is very young. So she's yes. in her twenties. So we go to her and we go. You got to tell us like, do we know what we're doing? Are we? Is how? What, how do you make her real? Like, what do we need to be paying attention to? What are? What's a trend that we're missing? Like how do we get our clothes on the right people? And then she um, comes to us with all these creative ideas of like, listen, I really think that we need to be focusing on body inclusivity. And so I really think that there's these girls on TikTok and let's send them clothes and let's like show your clothes on different bodies. Let's like, she thinks about things from a 27 year old's perspective instead of a 30, you know, seven something year old. And that's very
2: helpful. We were also, you know, we were very, we're very hyper alert of our strengths and our weaknesses. And, you know, to be clear, and we've talked about this a little bit, but we just want to reiterate, we did not, we have not been pounding the pavement in the fashion world, at even, even remotely. We've been pounding the pavement in other areas, but not the fashion world. So for us all of a sudden to be in this position where we have this brand and it's selling and people like it, and we're at Nordstrom. We have an un, we are, we walked into a built-in infrastructure of centric brands. They are a machine. They turn out Hervé Leger and Joe's Jeans and Hudson, and they have this infrastructure that we could never, utilizing their infrastructure is why we're in this position, you no. know?
1: It's, and, a, it's a 50-50 joint venture. It's and a, it's and a and partnership.
2: It's, it's so perfect. perfect.
1: It's a perfect By the show. way, and there wasn't even like a, a moment of hesitation of giving up 50% of something we were gonna start because it, it would not exist unless we had them as a partner teaching us how to do it. That being said, we are there most days. So like we are either going to our, i I mean, I'm re- recently trying to write from my, our offices on the 20th lot. And, or we go to our office downtown for favorite daughter. And we are a part of every single decision because at the end of the day, we don't believe in putting your name on something and then walking away and coming back six months later and seeing what it looks like. I'm not comfortable sending my friends something that I haven't looked at every single day
0: detail of. What specifically do you do with that Neiman partnership because there are more and more businesses that are birthed with that kind of back-end support with the creative front-end and and a lot of them are successful. What do you do? I've always wondered like okay I get what they do. What do you do? Do you do the actual designs? Say what colors you were looking for? What garments you or do you get guidance on all of that and you just approve 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 that kind
2: of? Nordstrom relationship again you know, because of the built-in relationships that Centric Brands already has with these conglomerates, it already puts us, you know, in a different category. We we have Nordstrom are I hate I, I hate using the word fans, but Nordstrom they were fans of 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 us of the dynamic sure. that we created with each other and our brand. So they were excited to to give Favorite Daughter a chance. But let me be clear: if sales are not You know, if we're not hitting our projections, like we won't be in Nordstrom's. Most likely, the orders will get smaller and smaller and Mm -hmm.
0: smaller. You know, because. What do you do, Sarah? To what can you do in that that makes a difference uh, that will improve your chances of success? Like, what specifically do they expect from you in that brand development? I just never really understood that. What do you guys
1: do? It's a very specific process. So very early on, before we launched, Centric came to us and they said, "We found a designer that we want to hire." Was at a different brand. We met her. We had a conversation about what we're thinking about, what she's thinking about. We really liked her and we hired her. So you need a head designer because she's the head of the snake. She is like, there's a schedule that's two years long. We know what we're doing two years from today in the line. I We wouldn't have known how to do that if we hadn't had her. So we start out and we talk about like, what are their trend reports, right? So you look at trend reports for the next following year. You look how- at like.
0: How would you know that? How would you even know to ask for trend reports? I didn't know that. She shows them to us and she tells Uh, us
1: certain things online. So we look at like, oh, emerald green is going to be trending in next fall. So let's like incorporate that color. She creates a whole map of colors. Some of them colors we hate. We go, ew, mauve, hate mauve. Get that (laughs) out of there. We don't want mauve in there. We want to replace it with deep blue. We come up with a color scheme. And then that becomes like your map of like what everything's going to look like. Then we send her like all of the looks and things that we're excited about that we see on the internet or on Vogue or on runways, things that we wanna incorporate. And something might like, like I found an outfit that was like this like schoolgirl outfit. And I was like, okay, this seems a little cheesy, but there's something I like about it. And our sister Jordan, who's a stylist, who's working with us on the project on, on Favorite Daughter, she was like, okay, so you like that look, but it looks cheesy. Wait, so, let's pause.
2: We brought in another family member to really to <laughs> every- to complicate
0: things.
1: <laughs> yeah. because so then she looks at it and she goes, okay, let's figure out what you like about this picture. So on the blazer, there's a crest and she goes, that would be a really cool thing for us to incorporate. What if we did a favorite daughter crest and we put it, it on, is. right? We put it on like the jeans or the sweatshirts. I was like, that's a great idea. So we all start like throwing in weird ideas into the pile. And then the designer is able to take those kind of chaotic ideas. Well, you're missing bring, a step. Then
2: merchandising goes, okay, let's look at the budget and allocate what we can actually afford here. We really only the budget allows us to have four dresses in a, in a, you know, short dresses. And
0: who does that? That's Nordstrom coming in and saying, wait, we got a budget here. No,
2: that's merchandising through Centric part of our team Nordstrom.
1: Nordstrom, well, I'll
0: let you in. Yeah, I don't so, like that person. has to come in and ruin everything.
1: I yeah, know, exactly. but, yeah, yeah. but it's actually really helpful because she gives us a framework. So she goes, okay, you can have six sweaters this fall. So you have six sweaters, you can have four pants, you can have three shorts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So then Carla, our designer, comes in and she takes all of our ideas. She does sketches of what she thinks those ideas could look like. We uh-huh. go through and we eliminate the ones we don't like, or we go, I like this, but I don't like it sleeveless, or I, I have a dress like that that I love, let's like... Use that as inspiration, but make it different and expand on it. And we all kind of create this thing. Then she does new sketches based on our input. Then once we have the sketches, we come up with what kind of materials and fabrics. And we have a person who's devoted to fabrics. Her name is Ashley, and all she does is fabrics. And so again, she-
0: Ashley's working for you. Yeah. Yes, she's now I want to pause for a minute because I started asking you, "What do you do for Nostrum?" I'm going to say, "What does Nostrum do for you?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? No, but it's really complicated because you know sometimes. We will pick out a material and a fabric and go, I love the way this feels. And then it comes in a dress and we go, oh, this is a horrible material for a dress. We can't. Our customer will hate this. They'll never shop with us again. Because you're feeling a two inch long sample of something and you think it feels good until you feel it in a dress and it feels terrible. And then now we've wasted money on the sample. And mm-hmm. these are the kinds of things that they come back and Sarah's like, I told you I thought that I, that material was itchy and I fucking hated it. You didn't listen to me. And I'm like, you never said that. I actually have the text where you said that you love that material. And we start, you know, blaming each other for everything and things start to go wrong and someone storms out of a room and then it all works out in the end. Yeah. But it's important to like really
2: hone in here that what we are doing, this is costing millions of dollars. We would have had to go out and raise money to do that.
0: And you're not on the hook for any of those millions. That's Nordstrom's job.
2: We are not. That's Center Grants. Nordstrom is just a small partner. DTC is our main business, right? Direct to consumer. That is where most of the money is being spent. Nordstrom has,
1: to be clear, it is recoupable, the money that they're putting in. So we all, it all evens out. No, no, of
0: course. But you're not on the hook for those kinds of millions, should it not pan out? No, when
1: when we, when we generate revenue from Favorite Daughter, it will pay that back.
0: Yeah. And if it doesn't pay back, what happens with those notes?
1: well that's if it doesn't pay back then they're out money and then this partnership ends and favorite daughter dies
0: if that should happen give me a call i'll get you into costa rica overnight you could run away from the debt no problem yes with your But aaron
2: and i aaron and i never you know we are living in a world where people are projecting this perfection this Mm. ease i'm perfect life is perfect life is great Aaron and I never want to be part of that problem, so it is very important for us to anyone listening who may go. Well, I really, I've been trying to get my fashion business off the ground, and why am I not in Nordstrom's? It's very important to to, to hear what we're saying. We would have never been able to do this. Yes.
1: Truthfully,
2: yeah, we've Absolutely. never been able to do this financially. We know nothing about merchandising. We don't have any relationships with factories, like we truly have a partner that is making this possible. So we just-
0: I'm starting to appreciate uh, truly how smartly you look at things. Um, As partners together, I don't think you can appreciate how strong you are together. I can see it because I'm on this side of the screen, right? Uh, Picking out the, or choosing the Nordstrom and, and truly appreciating how valuable their role is and how maybe you don't appreciate quite as much as how valuable your role is, which I just heard those details. Obviously, you're the brains of the operation. Um, But what I'm curious about, which would scare the heck out of me, I don't think of myself as a scaredy cat, is how do you pick out partners that you invest in that you say, I like that business, let's wrap ourselves around it, let's rep for them, let's invest our money in them. How do you size that up? I mean, it's a large business, you're on the outside, you're not on the inside. How do you know what to put your feet into and what not to? Because that is, I think, a much scarier thing because be, by virtue of you being on the outside, so much so.
1: Well, I would say that our approach is probably the opposite of the Shark Tank approach. Uh-huh. We do not look at things at first glance with a fine tooth comb, analyzing and criticizing and questioning every detail of the business end. Because what a relief.
0: Right. Honestly,
1: what a relief is right. Aaron's like, we're just not as smart. We're not, we're not as smart as you guys. For us, it's a feeling and it's like a relationship. You know, you meet someone and you feel like they're a winner. You meet someone and you feel like they're a loser. You meet someone, you feel like they're full of shit or they're a fraud, or you meet someone and you think they're going places and you want to invest in them. Like something that my husband taught me, like, I don't know, three years ago, I wanted to invest in some company and it was gonna be my first check I was ever going to write. And leave the and I really liked the brand. I liked the 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 product. And I brought him to
0: meet the founder. And he was like... Can I ask you to stop you a minute, Aaron? You liked the product because you related to it and you felt I'd use this product and I use it often? Or you just thought, that's a nice product over there. I like the way it looks. Did you have um, a relationship to it yourself? Like you would use it? Was, or that's it's um, a
1: product that you consume. And I liked it. Okay. And oh. my husband met the founder and he was like, Listen, you can do whatever you want, make your, write your first check, do what you want, but you're not investing in the product. You're investing in the founder. And I don't trust the founder. It just doesn't feel like this person knows how to take it where it needs to go. So I'm actually going to invest in a competitor and, wow. and, uh, because I was already in the works and you can do this and we'll, and, and I'll, I'll bring Sarah with me over here and you we will just compete and see who wins. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that at all. Yeah. And uh, had
0: that you felt- met the founder yourself. Had you had the chance to size him up?
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, that's when I learned that important lesson where he said, you are investing in the founder and the founder alone. And you need to believe if that person goes into a room to sell this product that you would want to buy the product from them. Yeah. And if, but you, know, obviously if
0: you did, you, you bought into that guy, you liked him because you had met him. You liked the product. You liked the founder. Was that- I hadn't
1: met him yet though. I, oh. I had only tried the product. I see. So it good. was an important lesson and a good reminder for us, our investment in Bumble, we, did, we weren't investors in Bumble, we were employees of Bumble. Yes. So uh, our partnership with Bumble was all about Whitney and mm-hmm. Whitney alone. You know, that was that this was, was 2017 before yeah. I knew what Bumble was. Granted, this, they weren't a startup. They already were had a crazy high valuation, but I had never heard of Bumble when I met Whitney.
0: Yeah. She'd been
1: married for too long. And, but the point is, is that we were invested in Whitney. And when we partnered with Mir, we met Bryn. And we were impressed by Brandon, and, and, and that was also a product we could really see ourselves using. Well, oh, that was pre-launch. It was something Married we out. really wanted in our house. Like, so so for us, we don't have the luxury of going through the numbers like you can because we don't understand them the same way that you do. So for us, it is a relationship. It is a true gut feeling. In paired with, you know, paired with the people that we have around us that do know how to ask those questions. I have brought certain things to um, some of our like business managers or my husband and said, I like this. And then they go, mm, this business is not a great business. Like it's not good for you. So, you know, so a lot of these things are, are, are yet to be seen if they will succeed. Sarah and I have been investing in a lot of companies in the last year. And as you know, those are not short-term payoffs. These are long-term payoffs. Mm-hmm. And so, it, 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 we are invested in them financially, but we are also invested in the, in the success of the company. And we have the ability with our platform to help brand awareness and bring attention to the company. So we're trying to like pick well and not spread ourselves too thin so that we can actually help.
0: Yeah, well, you spread too thin, but I'm sure you're picking well every time. But can I ask you, when you choose a company, uh, I kept reading a couple of times that you said uh, you put such an importance on it being authentic, like yeah, authentic, yeah. Uh, which I would think would be the perfect word that would apply to both of you. Um, but when you choose that authentic company and you go in as an investor, do you put your cash into it like we do on Shark Tank? Or do you exchange your support of it for a cash position represented by stock? So it's, every both. Si- it's, it's
2: both. Every it's situation both. is different. Bumble and Mir were separate situations. We were on you know, retainers for those companies. We also had equity in the companies and yeah. we were front facing. You know, so those were, those were separate, but moving forward, every investment has usually been a one-to-one where Mm -hmm. we write a check and then it is matched with advisory shares. Oh, I see.
1: And in return for our advisory shares, we have deliverables. Yes.
2: And there's, look, there's so much capital flying around as I don't need to tell you, people don't need our money. Most, most of the founders that we're talking to, our deal flow comes from founders, comes from other funds, comes from entrepreneurs that we know. And do they really need our hundred grand, our 200 grand? Most of the time, no, they need our sweat, right? Yes. So, but for us, we want to have real skin in the game. So we write a check and then it gets, it gets, um,
0: well, if you think about it, you write a check for $100,000 and on day one, when you start working with that brand, that's worth $200,000. That's not so bad. Okay. I mean, you can't cash it out, I guess. You have a time period, but that's not a bad return. And then on no. top of that,
1: we're yeah. in a really great position where we have all these really authentic things that come to us. Like, For instance, two months ago, I quit drinking coffee, which was a terrifying thing to do. And uh, I'm a really anxious person. It was making me really like wired, anxious. I just was trying to see if it would make me healthier. I quit coffee, my, my, my fertility acupuncturist told me to quit because it's so acidic and said, switch to this thing called mud water. So I switched to this thing called mud water. I start having mud water in, in the morning and I become like addicted to this feeling, this like lack of this like stimulant in my body that makes my stomach turn and feel acidic. And, and mud water is filled with like reishi mushrooms and, you know, cordyceps and lion's mane and focus and all these like amazing things like, that
0: make- It's just terrible, go ahead.
1: You, unless you don't like the, t- if you don't like the taste of chai, then you won't like it. But if you like a chai, yeah. it tastes pretty good. I um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have here. Oh, you do? And so I posted a thing on Instagram just saying how, like, I quit drinking coffee and I feel a lot better and I switched to this thing called mud water. And, you know, if you have something in your daily, if you don't feel good every day, then you have to take a look at what you're consuming on a regular basis. Mm. And no one was paying me to say this. But it's important to mention that... For, usually,
2: when you look on social media, these are paid. These are not authentic brand partners. Not always, but a lot of the time they are paid. Ooh, try mud water. Try this. Aaron, that would gang- sound
0: exactly like that. Your endorsement would sound like an endorsement, but it was not intended that way. Yes.
1: No, it was not intended that exactly. way. Although I did want people to buy mud water because I was just having a great experience drinking it and it felt better. And I felt so much better. Anyway, the founder DM'd me and said, you know, we, our traffic has, you know, been spiked, you know, Uh your thing. And we got a lot of messages and, and we're opening around and we'd love for you to invest in the company. That is the perfect thing for me to partner in because I'm passionate. When I talk about it, I use Uh the product. I like it. I see its value. I understand it. And it makes a lot of sense because I don't want to have to promote something that I. By the way, Sarah loves drinking coffee. Would hate mud water because she hates chai tea. It doesn't make that's any sense. That's not something
2: I'll invest. That's not something I'll invest in. But it's important to mention that once then you speak to the founder and all that happens, then your husband and our other business partner goes under the hood and goes, wait a minute. This is actually
1: a crazy amazing business. Like their revenue is like and and that's sort of how and that really is another asset of ours is that my husband is really skilled in this area and he comes from a background of of investing and in his his dad is from Silicon Valley, you know, all you know, as an engineer. Yep. His dad's a Russian immigrant, but yes, lives in Silicon Valley. Sorry, I mean from the Silicon Valley boom. Yeah, the tech boom. Yeah. So
0: what do you, what are you hoping to get out of these investments? Is it a, a short term play or you're hoping to see them? build a great big company, and then you cash out five, 10 years out. What is it? It can't just be that you enjoy uh, the hard work that it takes from both of you uh, to endorse a product. I have you know, to
2: be honest with you, and I don't want to speak for Aaron, but I thrive and truly love more than anything getting involved with an entrepreneur, a founder early on and helping them build their brand. I, I get true joy out of it and it goes so much further than just us on our personal social right yes I love it I live for it it gets me I look forward to Monday morning I, I hate the weekends when yeah. people are unavailable yeah. so so we are all in and and here's the truth is that we have been writing all these smaller checks you know we have invested in um uh Bev which is a canned rosé company with you know they just got crazy distribution and they are doing really well we seeded that we are in Zen Water. We are it's in, oh, sorry, Barbara, were you going oh, no, I
0: shouldn't. It's just I'm afraid I'll forget my question. When you invest in any of those and announce it and it's known, do a lot of other people follow you and invest in the same company? I would think so. We haven't really
1: opened up our investment rounds to, like, friends and stuff just because it gets tricky, and our friends invest in a lot of stuff, too, so they kind of do their own thing. Uh Um, I think that it's less about people wanting to go and invest. It's more about people being really aware of the brand and wanting to drink it and go buy it. Look, I think you are being –
2: what's the word? I think you're being a little bit modest. Yes. Look, at the end of the day, I'm going to sound – a little, I don't want to sound like an egomaniac here, but I don't want you to either. We have this been- This is going to be listened to by many people. No, but we have been very, we have been very lucky with our investments. We have been very lucky and we have been really good at picking winners. We just have, that's just, we just have. So yes, when we make investments, people around us go, wait, is there room for me? I know it's oversubscribed.
1: Can you make a call? Mm-hmm. That is true. Like, yes, that does happen. Same as last words. Now everything's going to fucking tank. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Way to really tell the universe to make us fail.
0: I'm going to tell you something. You know, people watch Shark Tank every week and we sit there and ask a lot of left brain type questions about the finances, the rate of return, margins, all that stuff you hear again and again. Can I tell you the most successful businesses that I've invested in and only the successful ones, I totally invested just on the founder. Business didn't even make sense. Just like, I love this guy. And if you really believe in the founder, what is a business other than an extension of the founder? You know, even on the wrong businesses, I've seen great founders reinvent them totally, turn them around, twist them around, they find a way. And so I don't believe you've been lucky at all, just in the same way I don't think I've been lucky. I think I've been very smart about who I believe in. I think I have a good intuitive sense. I think your intuitive sense is phenomenal, phenomenal from everything you said. And that is your trade, your gut, your brain, not even your brain so much, your, your creativity and your gut, both of you. And I think you sell yourself short, Sarah. I think your critical mind uh, is the counter to Aaron. And without you, I don't think, you know, I guess I'm getting the impression, Aaron, you're the lead dog here in a lot of the businesses, you know, which isn't right because you're the younger sibling. <laughs> Rightful place, you know. But good for you. I mean, I think it's amazing. I think you're doing everything right. In fact, I'm going to start watching what you're investing in. <laughs> I'm not going to put a little checkbook on us. You want to do a co-investment with us? I think I might. I mean, I trust, I trust your but you, But you also must tell me what the world's first podcast is about. What's in that name? When I read it, I said, it can't be the world's first podcast. I'm not a fool. How the heck did you name it that? How did you get away with it? And what what is your new podcast going to be about?
1: We named it that, uh, to be tongue in cheek because we're basically the last people on earth. to
0: have a <laughs> That was my thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the name is just cheeky and, uh, we're going to have conversations like this, like this is, you know, we want to have conversations about business and investments about fertility. We talked to mm-hmm. a rabbi. I converted to Judaism when I got married, we talked to a pastor, um, we talk to um, a math maker, a relationship, relationship specialist. We'd love to have you come on to talk about business. We just talk we about We talk to life. people who are smarter than us about things that we want to know
2: more about.
0: Yeah. yeah. I gotta believe if either of you are interested in speaking with someone, they are going to be interested to listen to, without a doubt. Yeah. If you give them a word in here or there, I don't think they're going to have much chance to speak at all. I'm worried <laughs> about you, guests. You better give them a warning. <laughs> Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.